Spring is in full swing and summer is just around the corner. A great time for a beach getaway at the Oceanfront Boardwalk Plaza Hotel in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Enjoy the best of oceanfront accommodations and amazing dining right on the beach, both with great views of the ocean and boardwalk. Enjoy a soak in the heated indoor spa pool or book the adults-only concierge level and relax in the rooftop hot tubs. Book online at boardwalkplaza.com or call 800-33 beach thanks to the boardwalk plaza for being the bridge podcast network sponsor if you've ever wondered why do christians stop believing why do they deconstruct you found the right podcast i'm mark dickey and i'm burt miller and this is the why do christians podcast Hey, welcome to the show. My name is Mark Dickey. I host the afternoon show on a Christian radio station called The Bridge. My co-host is Bert Miller. He's lead pastor of Solid Ground Church in Lewis, Delaware. Bert, glad to have you here today. Oh, man. Mark Amadeus Dickey. Hmm. I'm so, so glad to be here. How'd you guess my real middle name? No way. Was it really? No, that's not my middle oh. name. <laughs> okay. I was, I was like, man, that'd be a... a Good pick, Mark's parents. That should be that should be the actual game. Is you figuring out what my real middle name is? I don't think I actually know it. You don't. Yeah. Have you wait wait the way that you said that? Like, have you intentionally kept it from me? <laughs> now I am. Okay. <laughs> get like get like like a game show buzzer when I when I get it wrong, which will be every single week. Oh, okay. All right. Next no, episode. Don't. No, no. <laughs> But here on the Why Do Christians podcast, we like to talk about Christian culture and kind of uh, the complexities mm-hmm. of it yeah. because Christians do weird things <laughs> because we really are countercultural. Uh-huh. You might think that Christians are the culture or maybe you think the opposite, but we do unique things. And so that's why we're here to kind of answer some of those questions. You can always write in your questions. Uh, I actually know you got to type them in. You can't write them. Uh, cause I don't have an address for you. Oh, I mean, I could, but we're not going to go that far. You can send your questions to you know, podcast. Here's, here's, here's what we do. Okay. We put out a big thing of bird feed and we have them send carrier pigeon. Like a written, yes. Like, <laughs> a la Hogwarts, like around like an owl. <laughs> they send it. Like, and we'll just assume that we put enough of it on the roof of the place. We received this question by owl. <laughs> to the podcast under the stairs <laughs> this question comes from uh from jerry <laughs> it says hey cletus when are you coming over <laughs> oh wrong pigeon <laughs> i don't think i don't think this was meant for us yeah yeah all right no we're going to talk about why christians stop believing <laughs> <laughs> wow bleak transition <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, no, but uh, I I thought it would be a good question for us to talk about because, you know, how do you go from something being, yeah, you know, this is my life, this is how I'm going to raise my family, this is how I'm going to act twenty four seven, and then people just say, you know what, never mind. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't familiar with this, mm-hmm. uh, but when I brought the idea to you for an episode, you said. Uh, Oh, you're talking about deconstruction. Right. And I had, I'm like, oh, is that a thing? I've never heard that word before. Yeah. Where, where do you hear that word? So, I mean, is that because you're a pastor? Is that like a pastor term? No, 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 no. It's a popular, popular, I hate saying popular. 
it's mainstream. A, it's a very well-known cultural uh, movement that's happening right now. Um, it's not new. I mean, as long as there have been Christians, there have been people who leave uh, the Christian faith, and and through most church, most church history, it was called apostasy. It wasn't called deconstructing. Um, but we're seeing it sort of co- collectively in our in our uh, at the forefront, whether that be our, our social media feeds, whether we have friends or family members who are saying, "Hey, you know what? Uh, I I believe this. I I, I don't anymore." Um, it's just really out there, and, and the reality is, Mark, um, that. Christianity, uh, at least in, in America where we live, uh, is on the decline. I'll give you an example. So um, there's a Pew Research poll that was done back in 2022 that found like the number of, let's just say like white Americans who identify as Christians. Um, 30 years ago in 1990, it was 72%. In 2022, it was 42%. Hmm. So we're talking about a decline of 30%, like so basically 10% a decade um, because people are leaving the faith, and they've got all kinds of reasons for doing it. So, if we're asking the question, you know, like why do Christians deconstruct? Um, there's not one answer to it. There's there's a bunch of stuff. Um, some of it, I, I think, is not maybe isn't bad. Like at its core, what, what we can, or what deconstruction is, and where you're seeing it the most is among evangelical Americans, those who who would hold a sort of traditional uh, viewpoint of the Bible, believing it as inspired. Maybe they're part of a uh, a specific means of thought within Christianity, which is. Uh, important to to realize, like, um, I'm not making a statement one way or the other and, and just saying the reality that not all Christians are evangelical, um, but you're seeing it the most among evangelicals. Um, and sometimes, you know, people deconstruct good things. They go, hey, you know what, this was, uh, I, I, this is not, a, like, if I could just be generic an example, hey, my, my church raised me to believe that eating Pop-Tarts was a sin. Like, no no church does that, but I'm just, you know, trying to yeah. be you. Okay, like, and they go, you know, I, I'm going to abandon that part of my faith. I'm, I'm deconstructing, or like a Lego set, I'm like taking that brick off. Hmm. Um, but there are others who go, you know what, hold on, I'm taking all of the bricks out. Like, I, I've come to believe in this faith, and I just don't believe it anymore, so I'm, I'm completely taking it apart. And, and to use sort of modern American spiritual verbiage, they'll say, like, I'm just kind of trying to find what works for me. Um, and so you've got, you've got, a whole range of what that term can mean. Um, and, and the term deconstruction, actually, this is crazy, I didn't know this, but in just prepping for this, I found out that the term deconstructing, it actually, <laughs> it originated in the 60s. That's where when this term hmm. is popularized by a French philosopher named, and bro, you got to help me out with this pronunciation here, okay, because <laughs> I, I took no French. It's Jacques Derrida, D-E-R-R-I-D-A. How would you say that like a French accent? Jacques Derrida. Jacques Derrida. De, de, Derrida. He is not for the faith. He wants to <laughs> to abandon it with his baguette. <laughs> I, that was. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to everybody listening right now. Pardon your French. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so what he really advocated was this idea of hey, reject norms that you've held to if you're sort of unthinking with them. Hey, reject, and this is a big one. Um, reject those who assume authority. So. Um, in, in this case, it would be pastors, clergy, church leaders, okay, like those who are claiming to speak for God or uh, to hold some kind of authority within the church. Um, you need to reject that and just take it down to a more uh, bare bones level as you're learning what's uh, true. And as far as like why we're seeing it happen here, um, I was reading an article on, on the Gospel Coalition that's called uh, Four Causes of Deconstruction by a guy named uh, Josh Butler. He actually gives four reasons for why people deconstruct. Um, and, and I can I I've seen these I, I can testify to that. Um, first one is this that people like they leave the faith uh, because of church hurt. 
In other words, like they they experience some kind of uh, emotional, hopefully only emotional, perhaps more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't mean hopefully. I, I hope nobody goes through it, but um, they're they're emotionally hurt or 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 other hurt, um, whether that be uh, trauma, what have you. Uh, maybe you know they they met some mean Christians who were hypocrites to them. And they go, you know, these people are like this, or you know, I, I've grown up in the church and all I've seen is hypocrisy, um, and so n- no, thank you, I'm out. Clearly, this religion is not real because the people who adhere to it mm. are are just they're immoral. They're they're wrong, you know. Um, and I want to be a person of integrity. I want to uh, be authentic. Um, may, maybe another reason, like with this idea of church hurt, they had a bad leader. Um, there there was a, a popular podcast in the last couple of years called "The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill." Mm. Uh, it was put out by Christianity Today, and uh, they trace a a church falling apart. Um, and there are a lot of people who who were part of that. Again, I'm not saying right or wrong, but there are a lot of people who were part of that movement of a church out in uh, uh, Washington who say, hey, you know, I'm no longer a Christian because this is the leadership that I saw, right? Yeah. And and, and let me just say, as a, as a leader, it's easy for me to scapegoat that and be like, no, look, man, your faith is not about a person other than Jesus. Like if a leader lets you down, you know, dust off your knees, get back up because your faith isn't in human beings, it's in God. But let me be honest with you, man. Like I've been through that. Like the person who led me to the Lord um, about a year later left the faith. Mm. Um, and I remember having those moments as a brand new Christian going like, well, look, if he did that and I thought he was real because he told me about this real God that he believed in. So if he's not real, am I real? Like, and, and that's a weird question to ask, but people do it. They, they have this, this bad experience with, with a person and they go like, or, or a, a system and they go, no, thank you because they see no other option. Um, now I think there are other options, but, but it happens. Yeah. Um, another another one, um, another big reason that people deconstruct is what from uh, poor teaching, um, meaning they they it's not necessarily that they believe untrue things, but it's the way that things have been presented, maybe a sort of all or nothing mentality or a don't question anything mentality. Mm. Um, for a lot of people, maybe they, they grew up in a, in a faith tradition that just said something like this. It went, um, well, the Bible says it, so that's enough. Um, and mm. and and they were never allowed to ask, okay, well why is it in the Bible? Or, okay, like, you know, for you to sort of, sort of appeal to the Bible as an inerrant book, which I would affirm that it is. Um, well, okay, you're telling me that I can't question why this is there, and, and I can't even ask how we got this book, or I can't even ask why it's got the authority that it does. Um, and so they're just sort of presented this, well, this is what our book, and so you, you, you just better believe it. Um, and, you know, we did a whole episode on um, why Christians believe in the Bible, so it's not my, my goal to get into that here. Um, but suffice to say, like maybe sometimes what happens is that people, they're presented things with a sort of domino effect where, hey, um, you're not allowed to chew on this. You've got to accept it. And if you don't, the whole thing comes crumbling apart. Like uh, in, in the article I referenced there um, called the, the Four Causes of Deconstruction, uh, the author has this line where he says, um, some Christians have been led to believe they must choose between faith and science because of poor teaching on Genesis 1. Now, is he saying that... Uh, if you believe in a literal reading of Genesis 1, that, that it's a poor teaching? No. Um, no, he's not saying that at all. His point is presenting it as though it's, listen, you know, all them scientists are bad and all the stuff that you're hearing, like it's just a bunch of lies and, and there's no um, sort of space for, well, okay, but what if I'm told this? And what if 
I come to believe that. Like, is there any space in the faith for me? And I would just tell you that, by the way, that's something that you're grappling with. Um, again, I affirm a traditional reading of Genesis 1. Not every Christian that I know does. Um, there are some noted Christian thinkers who have been defenders of the faith and the gospel in church history who believe that Genesis 1 is allegorical. I'm thinking of guys like Timothy Keller or C.S. Lewis. Um, again, I affirm it, but it, but if your make-or-break moment is how old the earth is, um, which Genesis 1 doesn't teach, by the way, um, then you might not have to leave the faith. Hmm. Um, but but what happened, because the thing is this, and this is something I like that the article points out, the solution to bad teaching is not abandoning all teaching. It's good teaching. Right. Right? And that's what, that's what Jesus does in the Gospels over and over again. Like, think about, like, how many times you, hear, you, you read him saying, you have heard, but I say to you. Right? Like, mm-hmm. you've heard it was this, but I say to you. And sometimes he does that to uh, correct maybe uh, Pharisees and rabbis adding to Scripture or, or interpreting it in the wrong way. He never does it to disregard the Old Testament. I mean, Jesus has an incredibly high view of the Old Testament. He references it as authoritative more than 60 times in the Gospels. Um, but he does take issue when people teach it in a way that might not be correct. And so I would say, listen, if, if you've come up in a, in a faith tradition and you're thinking about deconstructing, it's okay, I was never allowed to ask questions, and I was never allowed to this or that. Okay, that might not be the best teaching, mm-hmm. but that's not a reason to get rid of your faith. Yeah. You, yeah. Uh, you've you brought it up before in the podcast, but it's worth repeating the the whole, if you go to one bad restaurant, you stop going yeah, you don't stop going out to eat yes. ever again. Yes, you might be sheepish, but you know. Yeah, you might brace yourself. Or if you do stop going out to eat, you're missing out on a big chunk of life. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, yeah. That's right. And the interesting thing to me, um, like as we're going through these lists of top or top reasons that people deconstruct, is have you noticed that none of them have to do with the core doctrine of the Christian faith, which is the identity of Jesus Christ? Church hurt and poor teaching. Yeah, but none of it has to do with, hey, do you believe that Jesus died for your sin and rose from the dead? Mm. Do you believe that he is the son of God? Do you, like, do you believe in the Trinity? Like, these core, I mean, like, to deny them is to not be a Christian. None of those have come up right now. Instead, it has to do with human experience. Yeah. Which actually leads to another one, like, so that we don't, so that we don't scapegoat. This is important to realize, like, because sometimes it's easy to be like, you know, people are leaving the church, and they're all victims, and it's all it's all the church's fault. And, and I just want to say this too: um, don't let don't let a bad experience color the whole thing. Sometimes, what happens is, well, let me say it like this: um, all of us have had our our feelings hurt in life. And I don't know about you, but I, I can notice, Mark. Would you say this? It's easier for me to remember the bad experiences than the good. Sometimes, like you know, I, I get let's say I work on something, and I get a hundred compliments and one criticism. What's the thing that I remember? Yep. There's, yeah, there's a great quote and I'll botch it, but it's, uh, we remember, we write our successes in sand and our failures in stone. Wow. Wow. That's it. Yeah. That's exactly it. And what I would say, like as somebody who's part of the church, somebody who, um, like is in day in and day out and, and not, not to, not to compare scars, but I mean, I, I, I see, really bad things sometimes, really bad ways that people drop the ball. Mm. But I also see more often than not, or not, the, the vast, vast, vast majority is inspiring. And I think this is important to realize. Like, yeah, sometimes people might hurt your feelings and they might do stuff that's bad, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's easy to remember the bad stuff. 
for sure. But it's just been my experience that the, like the the things that people do within the church within Christendom is so vastly outnumbering towards the bad stuff. Because the reality is this, man: Christians occupy more than a third of the planet right now. Okay, like I mean, when it comes to our numbers, like that—that's how many Christians that are on the earth. Is it reasonable to expect that maybe some people among that who aren't God um, would get some things wrong hmm. and do some things bad? Like maybe some like I don't know, some wolves in sheep's clothing would come in. Um, yeah, the Bible addresses that explicitly and tells you, yeah, that's going to happen. I'm just I'm just thinking of like fast food restaurants and like you know one one kid like just got the job doesn't have any work ethic you know, running the cash register and you let that ruin your experience with that restaurant for the rest of your life. Yeah. And yeah. how silly is that? It's like, no, he was just trying to get money so that he could go to the, you know, the Taylor Swift concert next month. And instead you've let it ruin this entire. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and look, and look to, to be clear though, like, cause if, if you've been hurt by a church, what neither Mark or I are saying is that, it's silly that you were hurt. Like yeah, no, nobody, yeah, yeah. No, nobody's saying that. Like okay, you shouldn't have felt that because like if if a wrong has been done to you, let's call it a wrong. Like, yeah, yeah, hundred um, percent. But what we're saying is, don't limit the hope of of your experience there to that interaction or series of interactions. Like because there's so much more good and so much more uh, life giving opportunities than that. And I'm so sorry if people have let you down. Um, but but don't believe that that's all people or that that's all Christians because it's just not true. I'm now, really glad you said that because because oh, yeah. that's exactly what I mean. Well, for sure, man. Like I mean, I I know you, I know that's what you mean. So I just want to make sure that everybody else knows that as well. <laughs> hey, Mark, do you like commercials? I do. Don't we all? Wouldn't it be great if we had a sponsor for this podcast, Mark? Nothing would make me happier. Well, you could sponsor this podcast by contacting us at podcast at wearethebridge.org. You could be a hot dog stand. A, a cheese grater company. You could sell furniture. Or Wi-Fi. <laughs> Contact us at podcast at wearethebridge.org. I, I think that's it. I think we got it. Um, but I, 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 do, I do just want to be careful, though, because it's easy to, and this is where I'm going to be offensive for a minute. Um, if I, Like if we weren't before, I don't know, but it's easy to with deconstructing treat it as though it's purely a victim thing. In other words, the only reason that people or reasons that people deconstruct are that it was somebody else's fault. Mm -hmm. And I want to be clear here. Your faith is your choice, but sometimes people deconstruct for less than savory reasons. So other times people, they deconstruct the faith because maybe they have a desire to sin. Maybe like, there's some stuff they want to do that they know their religion says is wrong. And so they go, all right, well, my friends are into it. I want to be in with my friends or whatever. And so, or I just really want to do this. And so, you know, I'm just not a Christian anymore. And that is a reality. People do that. Um, that's not noble. It's selfish. And if that's what your place, well, I just want to do this because or I'm, I'm going to do this. And, and Christianity is just some, suddenly Christianity is outdated because it's saying you shouldn't do a thing that you want to do. At that point, you're lying to yourself. Because you know what you're doing is wrong, and so you're choosing to scapegoat so that you don't have to deal with the consequences of it and the guilt of it. Mm. And and I would just tell you, um, you can suppress that all that you want, but it's going to bite you. 
because you haven't actually changed what you believe. You've just given it a different target and you've given it a new excuse. It'll eat at you. Like, and I would say that the deconstructing is not the solution to that as, as well. Um, and that kind of leads to the last sort of, sort of top four reasons that people deconstruct. Another one, and this is, again, not popular to say, but it's just a reality because not everybody is a victim, um, is people deconstruct for street credit or street cred. In other words, we live in a time where doubt is hip. Hmm. And so sometimes people, they, they want to be seen as, maybe in their eyes they believe to doubt is intellectual. They're now a free thinker. They're casting off the bonds of an, an oppression of organized religion. And they're discovering who God is for themselves because, you know what, they, they, they want to just be authentic and so they're gonna they're gonna reason it out themselves and I go like hold on like why is it that um, after two thousand years we've been getting it wrong but you've suddenly cornered the market um, because some people they view faith as sort of a buffet where they'll pick the parts that work from it that they like and they'll leave the others and so they they deconstruct and they do it because they want to be in with a certain group of people um, they don't want to be seen maybe as narrow minded or hmm. or bigoted or whatever. Uh, term uh, the, the 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 zeitgeist throws at them, and so it's just easier to blend in and go with the flow. And again, I would tell you, look, that's not a good reason to deconstruct, um, because essentially you still believe the same stuff. You're just repressing it. Yeah. So, what would you recommend to someone who is maybe on the fence of that right now? Yeah. Like. I, and I'll loosely tie it into a belief of my own that I've been deconstructing myself. Um, I came to know the Lord as a high schooler. And so my whole life I've kind of thought, well, you, you need to, you really need to experience the pain of the world. Hmm. You, you need to be outside the fence so that you can understand how good it is to be inside the fence. And I'm now that I have an almost, well, she'll be four before this episode comes out. I've got a four-year-old and I'm like, well, no, 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 no. I want that girl to understand the amazingness that is God. I, I, I'm reforming my beliefs on that now that I'm seeing it in my own family. Yeah. But like someone who maybe has been a Christian their whole life and they're thinking about letting it all go because they just, they, they want to feel yeah. like, yeah. Well, you, so you just referenced a really, really important thing. Um, and that's that's your daughter who's who's about to be four. Okay. Yeah. Um, and okay. Well, I I just grew up believing these things and thinking things. So I thought about like, getting rid of them or what have you. Here's what I would say. Um, there's a difference between faith of a child and faith of an adult. In other words, you're going to believe things a certain way when you're a kid. Then maybe you should believe them when you're an adult. Hmm. Um, because kids' brains and like their hearts, their minds, they're just different than those of adults. Like I can, you know, I I can say to my sons, um. Hey, the Bible says it, and so we believe it. And when they're when they're younger, that works. That's all that they need. But as they get older, we might have to have a conversation. Okay, here's why we believe the Bible. Here's the evidence for it. And that's another part of this that maybe goes by the way. So there's really good evidence for this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happens if people aren't given that option? They're just basically challenged to keep the the viewpoint of the simplicity of the faith of a child. They they probably stand to, to the risk of abandoning it because they've never been invited to just chew on this and go, hey, why is it that we believe this stuff? Why is it that this, this movement has endured for 2,000 years 
despite everything in the world being thrown at it. Why is it that Christians believe these things? Hey, podcast plug. Um, be, but that, that, that's okay to do. Where people, I think, begin to fall apart is when they're presented this sort of conform and don't think. Mm. And, and when, that, when that's the, the mentality and, and the culture that you're a part of, I think it sets you up for failure because you're not allowed to critically engage something that I believe has real merit and uh, evidence for it. Actually, you know what? This isn't on the list, but I would just say this as well. You just reminded me of this. Another reason sometimes that people uh, he, people deconstruct is that they encounter pain or hardship. In other words, they go, listen, all right, I was told that you know God would take care of me and that nothing bad would happen. And then I went through a tragedy and, man, you know, God wasn't there. And how could a loving God allow this? Mm. And, you know, um, and, and I want to say to you, number one, if that's what your story is, I'm sorry that you've been through it. Um, and, and, and I bet you if I knew your story, I, I would grieve right alongside you. Mm. Um, at the same time, you need to know that that's not a reason to leave the faith because, and this is so important, Christians for 2,000 years have not seen pain and suffering as the antithesis of God's faithfulness. In fact, for many people, their pain and suffering has drawn them closer mm. to God, not further away. And so if you think, okay, like my pain has cornered the market on God's existence, because I'm in pain, that means that there is no God. I would first of all challenge, where did you learn that? Um, maybe that falls under the category of bad teaching, because the Bible definitely does not teach that. Um, and number two, is it possible that your pain is making it so that maybe there's some bitterness there, some 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 heartache that this is just shining a light on, and so you're, like it's just easier to let it go than have to think through where God could be in this. Maybe it's more of an emotional reaction yeah. uh, than, than a rational one, because I just want you to know, if pain is your reason that, that you don't have to deconstruct for that. Like if, if I'm looking at, okay, what's a reason for someone to be a Christian or not? There's only one. There's one single reason that you should be a Christian or you shouldn't. And believe it or not, I get this from the Bible. The Bible actually gives you an ejector button. It says, hey, if you believe this thing, be a Christian. And if you don't, don't. And it's not how old the earth is. It's not, you know, were there all these animals on the ark and, and or, you know, like, was there really an, uh, like a Moses? And again, I think all of those things are true. I do. Um, the thing that Christianity rises and falls on, the thing that if it's true, be a Christian, if it's not, don't, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus rose from the dead, you should be a Christian. And mm. if he didn't, you shouldn't. It's not if Christians were hypocrites or not. It's not if the church ever hurts you or not. It's did Jesus rise. And I want to give you Bible for that. Mm. This, this is what Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 through 19. He says, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. In other words, hey, if Jesus didn't rise, you shouldn't listen to anything that we're saying because we're liars, because we claim that this happened, okay? That's that's the claim there. He says, but he did not raise if, if in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. In other words, hey, if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, you're not really saved. Nothing has really changed in your heart. It's all make-believe. He says, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. And he clarifies, and in this time, sometimes people go, well, yeah, but... Even if the even if Jesus didn't really rise, like 
isn't there's like a good moral teaching and a good life that you can live if you follow the teachings of the Bible? Let me be clear that the authors of the Bible would emphatically reject that idea. And here's why. Paul says it bluntly. He says, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. In other words, if all that there is is this right here, and Jesus hasn't been raised, you have wasted your life. That is the claim of the Bible. (laughs) Okay? And so what I would tell you is the thing that you need to chew on is, does the evidence show that Jesus rose from the dead? If he did, be a Christian. Because Jesus, I have a problem with the Bible. Well, Jesus, who rose from the dead, affirmed the Bible. He, he, uh, we could talk about him affirming the Old Testament. We could, we could talk about him commissioning the people who wrote the New Testament. If, if we're saying, okay, well, you know, I, I have a problem with Christians being hypocrites. I would say, yeah, that happens. And over and over again, you see Jesus' disciples being bumbling and getting it wrong. Sometimes people mm. get hurt in the process. Jesus talks about there being false prophets and wolves in sheep's clothing. Okay, and Jesus is not somebody to be listened to if he didn't rise, because all of his teachings centered on his identity as the king who would conquer death. Meaning, if he did not rise, he was a, either a liar, a lunatic, or lord. He was either uh, he knew what he was saying was false, and he was appealing to authority he didn't have, or he was crazy, which means you shouldn't listen to him on that either, or he was the genuine article. Mm. I resonate with uh, you referring to the disciples. Recip- <laughs> <laughs> I resonate with you referring to the disciples and them messing up uh, just because I- I've known people in my life who have left the faith because yeah. somebody let them down. And yeah. it's always been encouraging to me that Peter spends all this time with Jesus and then like the night before he's killed, he's like out chopping dude's ears <laughs> off and he's like, no, no, no. Jesus is like, wait, yeah. wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he's messing it up all the way. And even after he dies, right. um, well, yeah. no, but, but let's take it a step further though, because in that case we would say, all right, look, Peter misguided, zealous anger, but completely misguided and wrong for doing that. Right. Mm-hmm. But maybe they're, it's not misguided. Maybe the person was evil. Okay, maybe you were part of a church and somebody did something to you that was unethical, something that God would mm. say he had like that, that God would say is wrong. Okay. Let's not forget that Judas was at the table as well. And yeah, that doesn't nullify the Lordship of Christ. And mm. Judas committed one of the Judas committed a sin that Jesus goes, Man, it'd be better for this guy if he wasn't born. Um, and yet he was still in the fold because at the end God would sort out who was his. And who isn't? And I would just tell you that, man. Your faith ultimately does not rise and fall on people. It doesn't rise on and fall on your desires. It doesn't rise and fall on your preferences. It rises and falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I, and I just want to, in the little bit of time that, that we've got left before we go today, um, I want to give you just a couple things. I feel, I feel like it would be wrong that if I said, just go to the evidence and then not give you any. Um, let me just give you two, I'll just I'll give you two things. Two things for me that I've never been able to make sense of unless Jesus rose from the dead. And my hope would be that these would be kind of like they just gnaw at you a little bit if you're thinking about deconstructing. Okay, okay fine. I just I just won't believe in Jesus anymore. Okay, just let these haunt you for a little bit before you and maybe, and maybe you end up going anyway. But I, I would hope that you would really be able to grapple with these questions before um you you decide, okay, I'm definitely out. 
first one would be this, okay, if Jesus didn't rise, you need to be able to account for the change in his disciples between uh, his death and Pentecost Sunday in Jerusalem. What I mean is this, okay, Jesus, we, we know, according to the Gospels, that when he was arrested, all of his disciples fled. They abandoned him in his hour of need as he was crucified and killed. And we know that the, the, the Gospels can't be making this up because if they stuck with him, they would have been killed. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, yeah, he, they absolutely had to have abandoned him. And why did they do it? They did it because they realized that there was zero benefit to staying with him, okay? Like if Jesus was overpowered by the Romans, to them, that meant that he couldn't have been the king that he promised that he was. And this is important, okay? Because we have to ask, okay, if that's what happened on on uh, so then on the Passover, okay, and Jesus dies, right? Okay, and yet fifty days later, on Pentecost Sunday, they go marching into Jerusalem, the same place where Jesus was killed, and they say, "Listen, <laughs> he's alive. We've seen him, and and you guys, you can kill us, but we can't deny what we've seen." Now, this is important, okay? You have to account for what made them change. And it's not easy to say, well, they changed because uh, they realized they had to save some face. They lost all face for doing this. Christianity did not start out with prominence, money, power. People who, like Jesus' disciples, all of them save one, were martyred for it. And the one who, who didn't die was tortured alive and all this stuff. They lost all possessions. They lost relationships. They lost... Uh, status in the world that they lived in, okay? So you have to account for why they changed their position. Because again, when they walk into Jerusalem, what they don't do is they don't claim, listen, we followed Jesus for a while, and yeah, he's dead, but he taught some great things, so we just want to share with you this parable of, you know, father had two sons, and they don't do any of that. What they do is, he's alive, we've seen him, okay? Hmm. And this is like, this is to the point where like even secular historians Go. They had to have seen something. Like, I'll give you an example. This is from a uh, uh, Paula Fredrickson, who's a who's not a Christian <laughs> historian, who says this. She says, "I know that." Like talking about the, the disciples in the resurrection, she says, "I know in their own terms what they saw was the raised Jesus." In other words, she is firmly convinced that they believe they saw Jesus raised from the dead. She goes, "That's what they say," and all the historic evidence we have afterwards attests to their conviction that that's what they saw. I'm not saying they, they really did see the raised Jesus. I wasn't there. <laughs> I don't know what they saw, but I do know that as a historian that they must have seen something. Okay? So you've got to account for this change in the disciples if you're going to say there was no resurrection. Okay? The second thing that you've got to account for, and this is really, really, really big, you have to account for the problematic nature of the Gospels themselves. Here's what I mean. Um, if you were going to form a religion, okay, let's say like you're Peter or you're John, and you're going to form a new movement and you want to get some followers and you want people to respect you, you know what you don't do? You don't allow stories to circulate and you don't become part of the circulation of stories that paint you in the bad light that the gospels paint the disciples. The disciples who are the leaders of the early church, they're constantly missing the point. They're Hmm. constantly like 
getting tripped up in petty small things. They're constantly not understanding Jesus. <laughs> in in his hour of need, all the gospels record that they abandoned him. Like that's not what you do. Instead, what you do if you're going to fake it, you go like, listen, oh yeah, everybody else abandoned him, but I was there until the end, and like I was always his real. I never doubted. But no, the gospels are really, really clear. They all believed he was a fraud when mm-hmm. he died. Okay. On top of that, the gospels, and this is a big thing, the gospels are unified in uh, the resurrection accounts in a way that is especially, uh, it's basically them shooting themselves in the foot in the first century when they're written. What I mean is this, at the empty tomb, like the the narrative that's in all four gospels, okay, when Jesus rises from the dead, right? Um, Do you remember who the first people who are that see him? Mm -hmm. Who is it? A woman. Yeah, yeah. Well, several, right? Mary Magdalene, uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and and others, right? Yeah, and we just look at that. We go, oh, that, that's nice, like that Jesus was was being inclusive or what have you. But no, no, no. This is something to know. In the first century, if you were to say that, okay, listen, Jesus rose from the dead, and the first people who saw him were women. Instantly, anybody uh, or any man who or any you know person with a position of power is going to instantly stop believing your story, and and because it was a different time that they lived in, and and. They did not believe, this, again, it's not good to say, but it's just the reality of it. Um, the historian Josephus says it like this. He said, women were so untrustworthy that their testimony by itself was not admissible in court. Mm. In other words, they just sort of believe, well, women are emotional, they're unreliable, they're this, they're that. Um, and so if you're going to begin a movement where the resurrection <laughs> of its founder is, is started, you don't say that the witnesses of it, first and foremost, were women. Because you've instantly made your audience stop believing you. Now, it makes sense if it's true. Mm. It doesn't make sense if it's fabricated. Um, so these are just a couple of things I would say. Listen, if you're con- considering deconstructing, you need to, number one, go, okay, who do I believe Jesus Christ was? Do I believe, like, okay, because if you believe that he died for your sin and rose from the dead, you need to be a Christian. And if you don't, you shouldn't. But But if you're going, well, I'm not quite sure be able to answer these two questions. Okay, how can I account for the change in these disciples who were abandoning Jesus and yet they would be willing to lose everything for him um, when they stand to gain nothing for it? And also, man, how do I account for the Gospels being as problematic as they are in the first century? Because they they are. Those are good questions. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. I like that. I don't know who's listening to this today, but whether you are considering it today uh, i hope that you can chew on those questions yeah maybe maybe that's how you found this episode because you were just like i'm having these thoughts i'm having these feelings and i I just don't know what to do i can't talk to anybody because everyone around me is a christian and they're not going to understand if i if i have these doubts and i think it's really important for uh (laughs) for people to struggle with their faith yeah I, i honestly if if your faith was for lack of a better term, sunshine and rainbows all the time, mm-hmm. you might be ignoring some of the things that God's teaching you. Yeah. And uh, I, I think it's important for us to, to be constantly growing. One, one thing I would say with it too, and this is the, the part that we have to just be honest with about um, how much of this for us is emotional one way or the other. Mm-hmm. So I say like, bring it back to the evidence for the resurrection. Um, because look, how many of us, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave, because people hurt me, um, or like, or so, and so it's this kind of we we as much as we 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 don't want to admit it. For how many of us, 
we believe that people are either good or bad. It's either you get everything right or you get nothing right. So some mm-hmm. people are like, okay, listen, well, I'm going to deconstruct because the Bible says this is wrong, but I know this person who does this and and uh, they seem like a good person. Okay, well, you know, I, I, I'm going to deconstruct because I'm, Christians are supposed to be loving to me all the time, but here's this Christian who hurt me. And the mistake that you're making is you're saying, okay, it's one or the other. When the truth is we're a whole mixed bag of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're, you know, if we're in Christ, we have godliness, we have the Holy Spirit who's sanctifying us. But the, even sanctifying, I mean, making us like Jesus, that infers that there are points and parts of us that aren't like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's important to not sort of broad brush it like that with this sort of light switch of either the person is all good or they're all bad. Instead, no, don't make your faith on any of that. You make your faith on did Jesus rise from the dead? Yeah, that's good. Well, hopefully you've enjoyed this kind of deep dive into why do Christians deconstruct? Why do they fall away, stop believing? And uh, if you are listening right now and you're you're thinking about that, or maybe there's someone in your life, I would just love to pray for you before we before we finish out. Um, Lord Jesus, we thank you for our, our friends under the sound of my voice today. God, we ask that you would just reveal something new to them. God, that they would just be, that, that your presence would just weigh so heavy on their life. God, I know, I know who you are. I know that you are risen. Bert knows who you are, that you are the risen king. And God, we just ask that you would strengthen our friends who are listening or that you would give us words to share that you would speak through us, Lord. God, would you comfort the doubter today? Lord, would you bring endurance to the one who doubts today? And would you speak through all means, speak by all means necessary that they would see your glory and not turn a blind eye to you and your risen son? Thank you, God. Amen. Well, if you have a question for the podcast, we would love to answer it here and do a whole episode about it. You can send your questions to podcast at wearethebridge.org. That email address is in the show notes in case you didn't get a chance to write it down. And if you enjoy the show, we're so glad that you're here, that you're listening. We are going to keep pumping out episodes. If you have a moment, would you take a second to give us the thumbs up, the five stars, wherever you're listening to this episode, rate the podcast so that the word can get out and more people can hear messages like this one. Again, thanks for listening.